afternoon. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Phil O'Reilly and Anna Dean with me, loving your company. And I did not know that the panel family across the country were so into mushrooms. Uh, even a listener in, uh, in France, Nancy, says, I'm listening now in France where you can take your wild forage mushrooms to the pharmacy to ID. Uh, there's an election policy, Anna Dean. Um, <laughs> and uh, speaking of uh, election, can I just uh, mention this before we get into our first story, Phil? Uh, a new taxpayers' union courier poll shows that, uh, uh, what am I seeing here? Uh, National is up 1.6, Labor's down 4 points. But here's the deal. Uh, new Zealand First is past the threshold, 5.8%. They're up 2.5%. Uh, points rather did you would you ever have foreseen this yeah we would we'd been forecasting or thinking that uh, Winston would be back maybe even a year ago but actually that 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 actually polls actually often under report Winston because he's got a shy section of voters who won't admit they vote for him uh, so it could actually be a bit higher than that as a matter of fact in, in real terms and for those who say the media keeps on saying he's not going to go with the left and maybe that's true but he said that last to my to my understanding in November when the Prime Minister was Jacinda Ardern, and it's a new Prime Minister now. So I don't think we should... You know, so he, he, I think he'll try and maximise vote share coming into the election and then decide what he's going to do. But it could be a very interesting outcome, given the fact that he's been ruled out by Seymour, of course, on the right. So yes. a really interesting uh, situation. The, Isn't it? Isn't votes it? are clearly moving around here. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. So that's yeah. just a new taxpayers' union courier poll yeah. out this afternoon. And New Zealand First is past that uh, 5% threshold, 5.8%, up 2.5 points there. Uh, but to this, starting with the cost of living uh, in New Zealand today, where a large chunk of the population are really feeling the squeeze. And financial advisors and budgeting uh, people across the country, they are seeing the effects. Let's go to Nelson, where according to the Nelson Mail, downtown Nelson is particularly quiet at the moment with businesses finding conditions brutally tough. Some eateries there reporting having just two or three diners a night. With us is Tessa Bell, financial mentor at Nelson Budget Service. Kia ora, Tessa. Kia ora, how are you? Lovely to have you on, Tessa. Thank you. In your uh, experience as a mentor, what are you seeing? It's really tough across the board. Um, I think we've been talking for a while about the creep. Um, budget services used to see mostly low-income earners for obvious reasons, and now it's moving into that middle class with the increase in mortgage rates uh, and uh, council rates <laughs> and food and power and, <laughs> and the list goes on. So we're really seeing people now having to make tough decisions around who are they going to pay, who are they not going to pay, you know, um, and people are starting to drop um, things like insurance because it becomes a luxury item because you don't technically need it until you need it, <laughs> whereas food, power, um, even your mobile phone now are crucial. You, what You're saying that insurance is starting to move into a luxury category for a lot of people? Absolutely. We've seen, especially with these adverse weather events, um, most insurance companies have taken the opportunity to increase their uh, their insurance premiums because, you know, more of the country has become sort of a higher risk. Um, and it's it's just an unaffordable expense for a lot of families to, to put aside, you know, $30 to $50 a fortnight for that insurance, even though we're all, we all know that if you crash your car or <laughs> if something terrible happens, insurance is 
an, an incredible safety net, but if it comes down to feeding your family or um, maybe this will happen kind of <laughs> expense, Gosh, people yeah. are going to choose to feed their family. And that's a big thing to say, isn't it, particularly in Nelson where, you know, we talk about Cyclone Gabriel affecting the Coromandel and Hawke's mm-hmm. Bay and Pastor Dargable, but uh, let's not forget that Nelson uh, a few months before was extremely uh, affected by some shocking floods. Uh, Tess, we've yeah, got a pa- we've got a yeah, we've got a panel here. In fact, Anna is uh, from, well, a part, part, a part of Nelson, Golden Bay. Anna Dean. Kia ora, Tessa. Hi. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's interesting that, that um, I mean, I, I keep wondering on my social media feeds, a lot of my uh, friends and colleagues and clients and things seem to be in, in Europe and um, also in Japan at the moment. And I just keep wondering um, how people are affording to to head away at these times. So, um, it's it's really it's really interesting. I actually just had pause my um, neon subscriptions coming up sure. next week, and I, it was the first <laughs> time I was like, oh gosh, I wonder if I um, might put that on hold. Mm. I mean, Absolutely. what what kind of advice are you giving to people um, to be able to cope with these times? It's happening all around the world, and um, absolutely it is. Um, I would say we don't see a lot of clients um, who are flitting off to Europe. I'll be honest, mm. <laughs> mm. but. Um, yeah, absolutely. We always have to, to when we look through someone's budget. Of, yeah, there's always those cuts that can be made from for, like you're saying, things like neon and those things that we've kind of gotten used to. They're absolutely the kind of things that we should be looking at cutting back. But also, it's important to have those expenses in your budget so that you've got a little bit of fun and you've got a little bit of something to look forward to as well. Building those things into your budget is really helpful. It gets rid of the guilt and the shame of overspending on something or, you know, those sort of things. Um, and what we're looking to do is not have people living in a way that builds hopelessness. So we want to see people <laughs> hold on to some of those fun things while also, of course, you have to look at... Um, the ways in which you can restructure your budget. And, yes. and maybe you're not, you know, having three coffees a week. Maybe you're dropping it to one. <laughs> Phil. Huh. Yeah, like that's, and of course, Tessa, the, the, the challenge is that that pain's not going away. I see the CEO of ASB just no. this week saying only half of the customers of ASB have actually had their mortgage rates increasing right now. So and I, can, right. I can understand how those shopkeepers in Nelson are doing it tough because one yeah. of the last things you do is buy a TV or a fridge. So if you're, if you're consumable, if consumer yeah. durables, you're going to freeze right now. So it, it seems to me um, the, there's a... There's a piece here about why tax is a big issue in this election because mm. it's now those working families that are really facing yeah. it. Oftentimes they've got to say, well, it's only people on welfare. Actually, now it's those people. So I can see why the tax issue is now playing out. But I, you know, the, I completely agree with you that it's all very well to say just cut all that stuff out. But actually people also need to, uh, to be able to enjoy themselves too. And when we did the yeah. work on, on child poverty a few years ago, it, 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 people were living in poverty as much as anything. We, you know, the def- definition of not living in poverty was the capacity to go to a sports game occasionally or to, yeah. to buy a pair of football boots and kick a ball around. So it must be very difficult to balance some of those out. It's a good even, reminder, even isn't when, it, Phil? Yeah, it's exactly. a great reminder. You do have to build in, Absolutely. however small, some aspect of enjoyment. Exactly, and, and maybe Absolutely. do something that's a bit cheaper, maybe. But, but you know, don't, go, don't go to the All Blacks, take a walk around the park. But it all takes a bit of money, right? <laughs> you know? It Tessa. does. And look, one of the hardest parts of our job is sitting across from parents 
who are facing the reality that their children are missing out on yeah. sports clubs, you know, and and all of those things which are so important for the physical, emotional, spiritual well-being yeah. of our kids. And they're, you know, figuring out how they're supposed to feed their kids healthy when healthy is costing mm. 23% more than it was 12 months ago. And I don't know about any of you, but my wages certainly haven't increased 23% <laughs> in the last year. Um, you know, so sitting across from people who really want to succeed. Yeah, here's one. There's uh, someone coming in now. I live on the West Coast Beach in Carpenter, and my house and contents insurance has gone from 5000 to 7000 for a year. That's $74 a week. Uh, yep. So, yeah, that's what we're talking about, aren't we, Tessa? Yeah, absolutely. And you have to have it. If you own your own home, insurance is absolutely crucial. Often you can't get a, you can't get a mortgage without it. Yeah, I, that's right. one, one final question, Tessa. Um, sure. Uh, 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 when people come in uh, for the first time, what are people saying to you? Is it is it is it an, what tips them over? Is an is it an unexpected bill or is it just the rising tide? I think it's the rising tide. You know, um, most of our first sessions is just building an understanding of what's happening for people. Um, you know, all the complexities of family and work and all of those things and often it's just that one last phone call from a debt collector or it's that something really catastrophic has happened like loss of a job um, passing of a family member things like that that they realise shit I've really got to do something here Um, and that's what we're here for you know we're here to provide that support so people can go here's my situation lay it all out on the table with no judgment from us because that's not what we're here for and we can start working through it bit by bit. Well, I appreciate your time this afternoon on the panel, Tessa. Thanks for uh, taking time for us. That's Tessa Bell, the financial mentor at Nelson uh, Budget Service. 18 past four, Anna Dean, Phil O'Reilly with me this afternoon and great to have your company. Uh, We are on uh, Apple iHeart and Spotify, by the way, if you can't catch the show live. And an article on Newsroom caught my interest, and it was about whether or not uh, we should accept Chinese funding for large-scale projects. It's already got your interest, uh, quite a few texts on that already. Now, National Leader Chris Luxon said he would absolutely accept his words, money from China to fund new roads. Uh, New Zealand's giant infrastructure, New Zealand's infrastructure hole, it's huge, estimated at $210 billion. Where will that money come from? Well, our next guest says that we should think again if we want to accept Chinese funding for infrastructure projects. With us is Dr. Oliver Hartwood, an executive director of the business-funded New Zealand Initiative. Dr. Hartwood, welcome. Good afternoon. So, why not China? Well, because this is not normal commercial funding. This is not a sovereign wealth fund, for example, that would invest in projects on a commercial basis. This Belt and Road Initiative we're talking about here has a political component to it. This is a Chinese foreign policy tool. It is a tool to really demark China's sphere of influence. And so, therefore, we have to be really cautious about whether we would want to engage with that. And I would warn New Zealand against engaging with the Belt and Road Initiative and more and more countries around the world that previously engaged with China 
on Belt and Road have actually resought their engagement and in some cases actually um, left the Belt and Road Initiative. The latest example of that in Italy, they announced last week they're pulling out, but we've seen similar developments in other countries. The Baltic states pulled out of a similar associated initiative with China. The Czech Republic is doing that. And of course, we've seen the results of engaging with China on Belt and Road most clearly in the case of Sri Lanka, in which Belt and Road actually contributed significantly to Sri Lanka's economic troubles. Oh, okay, that's interesting here because uh, we had text asking uh, about Sri Lanka. For those who don't know what this uh, Belt and Road Initiative is, or Silk Road, explain in brief for us. Well, the Belt and Road Initiative goes back about a decade, started really in 2013 under President Xi Jinping. The idea was that China would finance infrastructure in countries around the world, and the idea was China had a surplus um, amount of cash at the time, they thought if they finance roads, if they finance airports, infrastructure, ports, whatever it might be, that would help China do business with these countries. At least that's how it was sold. And initially, that seemed like a relatively good kind of initiative because it would be a win-win situation. However, over the last few years, it has become increasingly clear that this is not just a kind of commercial initiative. This was actually a tool used to get countries closer into the Chinese sphere of influence. And sometimes these projects, of course, were not particularly well run. They didn't make any commercial sense. And especially if you look at the case of Sri Lanka, there was a case, for example, where they, the Chinese funds a new port out of that for which there was no commercial basis. Then the uh, Sri Lankan government actually found it very hard to service the debt on this because this port project didn't make any sense. In the end, the Chinese converted the money they'd given into a 99-year lease of the facility. And so, therefore, they have cemented their influence and their position Gosh. in that country. Oliver, we've got a panel here. Let's go around the panel first and then come back to you. Uh, Phil, you first. So, yeah, Oliver, I, I agree with you about Belt and Road. It's been seen to be, uh, no, it's not all it was, was made out to be. Uh, but without wanting to put word, words in Luxon's mouth, uh, he didn't actually mention the Belt and Road, did he? he, he said, no. The question was asked was, would he accept Chinese funding for roads? And, and he no, said he yes. He, no, no, Phil. I think he was specifically asked, would you take money from Belt and Road? And Luxon's response was absolutely. Okay, well, you, you've, you're one over me on that. And, and if that's the, the case, he should not. But the, I think what, what he was driving at more, if I understand a bit about the National Party policy on this, was if, the, if a Canadian pension fund wants to invest, great. If the US wants to invest, fantastic. If, if Australia wants to invest, good. If China wants to invest, Taiwan, great. All that. I think, I think it was more the driver of that. I think, you know, he's, he's clearly misspoke, and I, I, I don't want to apologise for him or anything, but I think, you know, that, that's, I think, the driver here. Uh, and if it is China, Chinese Belt and Road, then I'm with you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, okay. buy that either. But I'd buy all sorts of other foreign funding, which also can come with some strings, which we also need to be careful of. Right. Stay there, Oliver. Anna as well. It's interesting, Oliver. I was wondering if, um, I mean, we've seen lots of strife in places like Fiji and around the Pacific. And, I mean, what are the consequences um, for a country like New Zealand if we did get into large amounts of debt with China for these kinds of projects? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, on um, Phil's point, um, totally agree. We should be open to international capital, and we are not at the moment. And I have absolutely no problem with Canadian pension funds investing or the uh, the Australians or Temasek from Singapore or even Chinese companies buying into New Zealand companies. I don't even mind Chinese investment, to be very clear. So the problem really is specifically Belt and Road. I can only hope that Luxembourg misspoke. 
um, that he probably wasn't entirely on top of Belt and Road. And then when the journalist asked the question, would you take money from Belt and Road too? And he said, absolutely, that, that was a, just simply a mistake. But I think uh, if it goes beyond that, if we are actually joining a Chinese political initiative, we should be very careful. And um, that was on your other comment, of course. The dangers are really you are engaging in a political kind of dynamism here um, that you wouldn't want to be part of, especially at a time when China is behaving much more aggressively than they used to. And we have also seen, of course, the Chinese position vis-a-vis Ukraine um, where they're tacitly supporting the Russian aggression on Ukraine. So I think in all of these circumstances, I would take a very cautious line on engaging with China on something that is deep down, not a commercial project, but a political one. You do want to come in, Phil? Oh, no, I think that's right, Oliver. I mean, I, uh, and it, what you're seeing, these debt traps that Oliver talks about are absolutely real. Sri Lanka, that Sri Lankan story is absolutely right. But I, I do think we need to be open to foreign investment. And, and if that means that we're going to get China Construction Bank or something funding something in a commercial terms, fine. Uh, no problem yeah, there at all. It's more, yeah. it's more the politics of it that we need to be cautious of. That's right. Can't we? This might throw the uh, cat in the pigeons, uh, Oliver. Why don't we? Well, last week we talked about bring back the Ministry of Works. Forget about overseas funding. You know, we built. There was a time, uh, Dr. Harwish, we built massive, and I mean massive infrastructure like dams, uh, with uh, from the government, the government, the Ministry of Works. What about that? I think there are much better ways of actually financing things, and actually the, the um, key to solving our infrastructure problems might lie in New Zealand's past. We actually produced a report not so long ago here at the New Zealand Initiative. Yeah, really, yes. Paving the world. Mm. yes, we looked into um, historical examples of New Zealand infrastructure. For example, the Auckland Harbour Bridge. That was financed out of revenue generated from the Harbour Bridge, and we should do more of these revenue bonds. We've done it in the past. We've had, we have a good history of doing it in this kind of way. We seem, simply seem to have forgotten how that works. Very good. Nice to have you on the program, Dr. Harwich there from the uh, New Zealand Initiative, uh, the executive director there. So uh, that's a big no to the, uh, yes, a large response to this uh, regarding um, uh, regarding uh, taking money from China. Almost a universal no, but someone says, of course we should accept Chinese money. China has been building massive infrastructure for the past 20 years. The West has lost the ability to build large public infrastructure since free market capitalism. Uh, so there's a big plus on that side. Phil's uh, just laughing his head off on that. Uh, but <laughs> hey, I'm just... Well, actually, so, the problem here is they just overbuilt. I mean, right. the Chinese are now pro- have a problem is they are overbuilting infrastructure. Okay. So welcome to a free market. Uh, uh, Anna Dean and Phil O'Reilly on the panel this afternoon. And I do want to get to this. Uh, there are a few gold standard sayings that people swear by, don't they? And psychologist Karen Nimmo has taken a look as some of them, saying that these well-loved sayings can actually be terrible advice. For example, (laughs) do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Yes, you will. Even the best jobs have boring bits and setbacks. Another one, everything happens for a reason. No, it doesn't. Lovely people can be brought to their knees by tragedy. And another one, live each day as if it's your last and if you did, you might be day drinking and eating KFC every single day around the panel. Anna. I thought it was interesting in her list that um, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. I mean, it's just that kind of low EQ um, kind of stuff that, that really seems that. quite dated now. I used to hear that a lot when I was a kid. Mm, sticks and mm. stones will break your bones, but names, and they'll never hurt you. 
Yeah, no, well, fortunately, we've we've come a long way since these kinds of things. It's funny because another one I was, I've been told a lot is fake it till you make it, which um, always g- gives me the creeps. But um, And treat them mean, keep them keen, you know, the terrible yeah. relationship advice over the years. Um, but it's funny, I was thinking um, some the best advice I ever got was from my dad, and that was just one word, moderation. Always been very grateful for that. Oh, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. You always have to live with your family. What's that saying? Yes. No, you don't. <laughs> you could just move somewhere, you know what I mean? You'll always have to. So, but it, the great thing about these things, the reason they survive mm. is there's a bit of a kernel of truth to them, right? So I always encourage when young people come to me for careers advice, which happens more than you might imagine, strangely, I'll often say to them, try to do something you really enjoy. There's some, there's some mm. truth to that idea, right? That doesn't mean that work isn't going to be boring occasionally. Of course it is. But if you're doing something you enjoy, then that's likely to be better for you. Certainly study something you enjoy. So the reason they survive these things is because there is a little bit of a kernel of truth to them, even if you take them literally. Of course, this is the most terrible advice you could possibly imagine. Like I say, the start of the show, you know, what doesn't kill you will make you stronger. No, it might just not just quite kill you. Actually, you might be quite weak. So you know, it's just uh, it, so we just need to be cautious about taking them the but wrong what, way. Of course, live each day, story. Live each day as if it's your last. I never questioned it. I thought, yes, of course. But actually, it's terrible advice. If I lived like that, it would be my last. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Drive my car 100 miles an hour down Lampton Quay. Brilliant. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Oh, very good, very good. All right, twenty nine past four. What what is a saying? Because people love sayings, don't they? What is a saying that uh, listeners that you can give to us that you do live by, uh, that uh, something that you can share with our audience? Now, uh, but back to mushrooms. Um, here's a story for you. This is from Cowland and Eden. I was picking mushrooms in southern Lithuania. I knew some could kill me, so I stopped and asked a local woman for help. So she separated my large bag into three piles. The little pile we could eat. The big pile was poisonous. The third pile was radioactive because of Chernobyl. It's a true story, 2004. How about that? Uh, Another one here. Uh, Anonymous, misidentification of magic mushrooms hospitalizes several people every year in New Zealand. So stay safe out there. If in doubt, chuck it out. Peter says, what's going on? Many people used to forage mushrooms in the 50s and 60s, as common as picking blackberries. And just one regarding um, sex education, Kira Wallace, it is ludicrous to suggest parents should self-sex educate their kids and not schools. My well-off tertiary trained parents were utterly incapable of talking about anything to do with feelings, let alone sex. No coincidence, I reckon, that all of my siblings and I have failed relationships, a single and childless. Good heavens above. Okay, well, thank you for your uh, comments uh, this afternoon and your thoughts and your feedback. You're on the panel, RNZ National. It is 